Hello listeners and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host Adam Scully and in this episode we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode we looked at Brazil's next great central defender, Kaiki Fernandes, who is becoming a constant feature of the first team at UD Almeria. This season under manager Ruby. In fact, the last two episodes of the TFA Scouted Podcast were centred around UD Almeria players. One on loan at Boston River in Uruguay by the name of Christian Oliveira and, of course, Kaiki himself. So let's move away from Almeria before we end up going through the entire squad and focus on one of English football's rising talents and an attacker who has been arguably, and I say arguably, the best player in the championship this season. That man is Illaman Njai. The 23-year-old's excellent form for Premier League promotion hopefuls, Sheffield United, even earned him a call-up to the Senegalese national team for the most recent FIFA World Cup, replacing the injured legend Sadio Mane. Enjoy also scored the winning goal to knock Antonio Conte's Tottenham Hotspur out of the FA Cup in the last 16 recently. Having registered around 20 goal contributions for the Blades this season, it's time that we deep dive into the forward style of play, his strengths, weaknesses and potential future clubs he could move to in the summer. Before we begin though, please make sure to rate the podcast. Five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and it helps us to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on and to get more and more ears on the podcast too. So now without further ado, let's get into our analysis of the Central Defender by first speaking to my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst, Brian Marcus. Brian, welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. How have you been? Hello, Adam. I've been really good. It has been a very busy week with Champions League, Europa League, really good games. I'm so much a fan of the Europa League, so you can call me a freak. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm the Europa League fan that you have in your group of friends. Do you know <laughs> yeah, what? I'm really happy to be the here. Europa- the Europa League's quality has got so much better, and I don't mean it's. Yeah, I don't mean it was always a it was always a bad competition before, but like when you see some of the teams that are in it now, from from Manchester United to Juventus to even Real Betis and and um, it has. Real Sociedad, Roma, Arsenal. I mean, crazy! Like the quality is, is that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, and it has Angel Di Maria playing the Europa League. Yeah. So that's fine with me. That's that's the absolute explanation of why I love the Europa League right now. <laughs> yeah. And like, I remember in 2017 when Jose Mourinho won the Europa League with Manchester United, they played, I think the best team they played would have been Feyenoord, who were the area division champions at the time, or they were, they went on to win it that season, I believe. And then yeah. there was Ajax in the final who didn't even win the league and the Dutch league that time. Cause Feyenoord and- did. Um, and it's like this time around, if they win it, they'll have to have been, Barcelona, uh, Real Betis, yeah. probably Arsenal and Juventus, and that's crazy. Like that's a Champions League run. Yeah, not, not only because of that team, because I think the other teams like Real Sociedad or Union Berlin or yeah. Union Saint Gilois even are really good. So that's it, it, it's a really good season to be a Europa League fan. But that's not the thing we're going to talk about today. No, we're going to talk about a player who could be playing in the Premier League next season, whether it be through a transfer or from promotion from the championship. That man is Illaman Njai. I say Njai because some commentators call him Njai. It could be in DA and I'm, I'm, uh, I can only apologise if I get it wrong. Um, and I hope I don't offend anyone for saying his name wrong. He is, though, Brian, does you and I can both uh, attest to this, 
before the podcast we spoke about it. He is genuinely an incredible player. I said in the introduction that he is arguably, and it's a big arguably because it's just opinion-based, the best player in the championship this year. He is incredible. I mean, you're talking, at the minute he has seven assists in the championship and 11 goals. I think in all competitions, that's around, I know he has maybe 12, 13 goals in all competitions and nearly 10 assists. So it's like talking 20-something goal contributions there. It's unbelievable. Like, what I'll start off with is his versatility because he can kind of play I know yeah. it's such, such a cliche, but he can kind of play anywhere along the front line. We can also play as a number 10. Talk to me about, uh, talk to me about his versatility because you can actually see his versatility in the way he plays in terms of the, his style of play. When he's a centre forward, you can almost see the number 10 abilities come out, his creative ability and things like that. Yeah, so and DI is really, really an interesting and exciting profile of a player because firstly, because of his versatility. Because... He's right now plays as a second striker or as an attacking midfielder where he can um, dynamize possessions with his dribbling and explosiveness and ball carrying. But he can play as well as a winger or even as a striker, playing in a more free role to create space for his teammates. Obviously, he's playing on a Sheffield United that doesn't use kind of wingers in this um, in, in their system yeah. and yeah, they, they're, they're playing, playing three, five, two with wingbacks. Yeah, yeah, they're playing with wingbacks, obviously. But when you're playing as a lone striker and you're creating spaces, you can you are going to create that spaces for the winger. So he can fit in that uh, position as well. But I have to give a hand first to Heckingbottom, the manager of Sheffield United, because uh, and and Di was very poor when he has. He uh, like received his first starts for the team, but Hackenbottom found a system and a role to him in that second striker, which I think is the best that suits him. Maybe yeah. because he's so good when he's free on the pitch, and he can go and receive the ball out wide, and he can receive between the lines or drop down and link up with the midfielders. So he's a player that when you're a manager or, or you're working on that team and you see him playing, it's like this man is going to solve a match by himself because <laughs> he is so dynamic. He is so... He has like this winning attitude of give me the ball and I'm going to carry the ball. But he's not that only like give me the ball and I carry it. So I'm going to dribble and I'm going to reach the box taking on 11 players. Because his link-up play is really good as well. So he combines in very quick moments with his teammates, making one-two situations or as well assisting, creating through passes. So, you know, it's a kind of player that offers you versatility to play in different roles and positions. He can play. I mean, if you put him in a match as an inverted winger, I think he's going to play very good. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. What do you think about him playing as a sole number nine? Because at the minute with Sheffield United, he's playing with usually Ollie McBurney, sometimes maybe Billy Sharp yeah. as well, and he's playing in a two. And sometimes, as you see with a player like a Brian Mbwemo, who we'll get on to kind of a bit later, when you see with a player like Mbwemo and you have Ivan Tony playing with him, he it kind of brings out the best in him because you have the, the I know again, it's a cliche, the little and large partnership where you have the big guy and then you have the littler guy who's more 
technical, yeah. he's a great dribbler, makes runs and behind things like that. And obviously, having McBourney or even a bitty sharp next to him, he'll will give him that license because they are more of the target man striker and they can hold the ball up and they can lay it off to him and he does all the fancy stuff. And then, but if he plays as a yeah, sole number nine, you'd see yeah. maybe less of that. Yeah, the thing is, when you have these kind of players that are so good free in a free role and they're playing second striker, they need this kind of teammate close to him to like make these one-two combinations, you know, to get a support, like playing a player playing with his back to goal. You need that every time. But when you compare, um, I don't know, like NDI with Mbuma that, that you said, like this player. So I think Mbumo is so dependent of having a player close to him, mm-hmm. like Tony. And that's not a bad thing, obviously. It's a really good thing if you want to play with two up front. But I think, and this is obviously my opinion because we haven't seen him there as a lone nine playing, obviously not as a box striker yeah. or a back-to-goal striker, not like that. Uh, I think he could play there. I think he creates spaces very well. And then the thing is, I think he attacks the spaces after re- releasing the ball so well. Mm-hmm. So he's com- very complete in this kind of, you have a player that's good on the ball, but then he cannot detect spaces so well. So you have to work on that. But, but he has these two things that are very important on a mobile striker. To drop, touch the ball, retain the ball, even dribble, then release the ball and then attack in the space. And he's so quick to attack the space. So maybe if you, if Sheffield on the Premier League wants to play as a lone nine or a Premier League team, sign him because obviously he's reaching interest from Premier League teams and they are making NDI to play as a lone nine. It's the kind of player I love to watch. I would love to watch in that role. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'd like to see him trialed more there. As I said, I think it's important if you you look at a player like Njai, you want to see him play as a nine as well as a kind of a second striker because there's going to be times where you have to play him as a, a sole nine. And also it would limit the teams he can go to. So if you want to sign him, maybe you could go to, and we'll get onto this a bit later, I don't want to spoil anything, but he could maybe sign for a club like a, a you know, Brentford, for example, just per se, Brian and Bramwell leaves and they sign him instead. Whereas if you're looking at a team that plays with a soul nine, they might be less keen to sign him because he doesn't really have that experience as a soul nine. What I do want to discuss, though, is, well, one of his best elements from watching him, and it's so obvious, is that he's quite two-footed. I don't want to say he's fully two-footed, but he is quite two-footed. I mean, even in, yeah. in his, in his goal-scoring statistics this season, you can see it. So he is 11 goals in the championship. Four with his left foot, four with his right foot, and two with his head. That's a really good, like, it's a really good return. I mean, you can see it even when he's dribbling. He's fine with his left foot. If he has to dribble with his left foot, he'll dribble with his left foot. And it's not even, I find it much more difficult and impressive when a player can dribble with their weak foot because you can make a pass with your weak foot, and that's fine. That doesn't mean you're necessarily comfortable. That just means you have a level of competence on your weak foot. But when you're dribbling, and you beat an opponent yeah. or you beat two with your weak foot, that's that's fantastic. That's really, it shows that you're extremely confident. And it means that he's hard to defend against because he can go both ways. 
on you. So if he's squaring you up, he can yeah. flick it to your left and go. He can flick it to your right and go. And it's so much harder for, for a defender then to read what he's going to do and, and nip the ball. And I was going to add like a last thing to playing as a lone nine. And it combines as well with what I'm going to say about his dribbling and his two-footed. Uh, like his two foot ability, like he shields the ball so well, yeah. physically and technically, and why he shields the ball technically so good because of that, because he's passing the ball from one foot to another, and he and he is literally hiding the ball. So you as a defender, you don't know where the ball is in the moment, but he's because he's so fast, you know. He, but not fast like running. He's so he has a really fast footwork. So it's like the ball passed from one foot to another and he, now he's making a step over in an occasion, but then he's explosive and he changed his pace. So that's really, really good on him. And I really like that. And when you have a player in this kind of position that has a really strong lower body and as well is agile, obviously it's agile and he can turn and he can like make this uh, so elastic moves with 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 his dribbling because he's so good he, he may look sometimes like really raw but he escapes small spaces so easily he makes that so easy to see like okay i can do that but it's so difficult to play like that and then uh, you you tell four goals with his right four with his four left, left. Two, yeah to his head that is crazy. That is crazy to have in dribbling, obviously, and then finishing because you have a player that you can cross from every zone, every flank, and you know he's going to do something. And not only cross, making a through pass to his right foot profile and mm -hmm. then to his left foot uh, body posture. So he is going to make something out of it. I think he has uh, 10 goals, one with his back, so that's 11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's what that's was the thing I was going to say. Like, obviously, list listeners are like, okay, he has eleven goals, but you are saying ten, so I think one of them is with his back. Yeah, well, I, I would imagine it's he's done something yeah. um, relatively strange. Now, I'm not actually sure what the goal <laughs> is. You're right; he's not, the numbers don't add up there. Well, the, the numbers are factually correct, but I don't quite yeah. know where the. Um, where the standout goal is, or maybe he like shinned or he like kneaded in, you know what I mean? So yeah, it could have been. Something like that, yeah. he, he, it just, you, you kind of mentioned about his agility and his agility is so stark. It's really standout <laughs> as well, because the impressive thing is that he's not small. He's what? 180 centimeters. Yeah. Which I'm bad at comparing these metrics, but I believe or these measurements, I, I think it's about six foot, five, 11, six foot. I could be wrong, but it, I, I'm, I'm almost certain it's about six foot which is really impressive. And he has such a low center of gravity. He has, a bit, he has such a core or such a strong core. So he's able to, I mean, like when you challenge him, he'll, he'll, you'll bounce off him. He's incredible. Yeah. His hips are really strong. I think it's, um, it's inc incredible. It's so impressive. And he's such an excellent dribbler. As I say, he can go left and right on you, his left foot and right foot, but as well with his goal scoring, I want to, I want to add that uh, he is a little bit of a poacher. And when you watch him play, it's not as if he scores a lot of his goals through dribbling. 
So he, it's not like he's taking players on and scoring them. Like I'm sure he can score. He can score that way as well. But a lot of his goals come from service from others by him having good positioning inside the penalty area and being getting on the end of a cross or a low driven cross or whatever. And in his statistics, ten of his eleven goals this season have been inside the box. And when you go back even further, he scored seven goals last season, eleven this season so far. That's eighteen goals. Sixteen have been inside the box, and. Again, last season, like the there's there's a clear pattern with his goals. He scored seven goals, three with his right foot, two with his left foot, two as a header, and then one again, whatever the <laughs> whatever the leftover goal is. He maybe has a habit of scoring with his knees or his chest. I don't know. Um, but it is yeah, it's incredibly impressive. His goal scoring is wonderful. And and moving on from his goal scoring, I want to discuss the other part of his game because he's not just a great dribbler. He's not just a great goal scorer. He's great at creating chances for others as well. He's almost the yeah. complete forward in that sense. He scores goals and he also assists. And he has seven assists this season, which I think is the third highest alongside, I think Dan Barlazer is second at Middlesbrough. And then Ryan Giles at Middlesbrough is also fourth. So yeah, nine, right, nine yeah. and eight. And then Giles is third, I believe, with seven. But, is, but Brian, talk to me about his creative ability because it's one of the most impressive attributes in this when game. You, when you mention his goal-scoring ability and his positioning that are, are very, very good, it, it's crazy to think because when you see him dribbling so much outside the box, then inside the box, he's so basic and not basic on a negative point. He's so basic, like he's on a good position every time and he mm-hmm. just he can make tap in, but sometimes obviously he creates really good goals, giving a few touches to the ball and then scoring a low drive shot or, or everything like that. So when you mentioned, obviously, now the uh, creating chances is something I want to point out because how he dribbles so much outside the box and then inside the box, he's not scoring that kind of goals because he's a very smart player to release mm-hmm. the ball after the dribble. So he creates so much chances being explosive and escaping in small spaces and then creating a through pass. You know, and, and not uh, only through pass, it's like being in the box and having, I don't know, let's put an example, McBorney mm-hmm. at his side and he's going to pass the ball because he's on a better position. He's very, very good in, in that kind of decision-making um, attribute on him. He makes the decisions for his team Obviously, sometimes you are a striker and you want to score goals and he can just take a shot, you know, but mainly and and in the majority of the chances, he's releasing the ball to try and make an assist for his teammates. Yeah. I think what's striking about his stats as well and also when you watch him play, because I'm not just using stats as a way to kind of analyze the player is really important to use stats with the eye test of course and use them both it gives you a, a great understanding of the type of player but so many of the shot assists have been backwards passes from holding the ball up and laying it off which again comes back to my point about him having really strong hips so when a player comes from the back of him he's able to hold them off which is a really good attribute for a player and I said this in the podcast to you before I can't remember the, the player we were discussing but we talked about Yaya Torre mentioning Eden Hazard being the toughest player he's ever played against because Hazard's a small guy, but he has the strongest hips in the world. You can you can put a, you can run a train through his back and he'd hold it off. Yeah. 
you know, because he has, as Yaya would say, a big bum, and it really helps him to hold off pressure, regardless of your height. And, and Jai has that, and you can see as well, as I said, with the shot assist map, so many are from backwards passes because he lays it off and then someone will take a shot. One thing I do want to mention is he's registered this season an ex, uh, expected assists of 2.25, and he's got seven assists. So it's really important to also note that the finishing of... Sheffield United has been quite impressive this season as well. So I have yeah. to add that. It's not just that he's creating a bucket load of chances. He is. I think he's created about 37 chances this season, which is pretty good for centre-forward. But I should also note that some of the the goals are scoring are ridiculous. I mean, he has one assist from playing a pass inside his own half. Um, and the player just ran up the other end of the pitch, obviously, and scored, which is like not really him being creative, I don't feel, but it still counts yeah. as an assist. So again, as I said, it's really important to 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 note that Sheffield United are actually quite good at converting the chances. So maybe if they weren't, you his yeah. chance creation as assist wouldn't be as impressive as they are because he has seven now, but again, with a 2.25 expected assist, it's quite a, a vast gap. Yeah, the interesting part of his uh, shot assist and all that, you, you can watch you can see his shot assist map and you can tell like, okay, he's a player that likes to make uh, backward passes or cut back anything. But it's the kind of thing he does before that. Mm. So it, it, he obviously creates this chance and he's with so much time and space to make an assist that really counts as a, that the metric like expected assist really counted like, okay, it's, it's going to be a goal. It has to be a goal, you know? That's yeah. the kind of uh, metric expected assist to look for. But before that, it's how he created that space for himself. So it, it, it's really good to obviously see stats and all that. But then if you watch him and make the eye test, you know that those kind of assists have previously been made because he was unbelievable uh, combining with his teammates and making one-two or, I don't know, body feints, everything. He's really good and he's so complete. Yeah. I also want to note that as of recording this, we're recording this on Friday the 10th of March. Uh, in the most recent game Sheffield United played, which was on the 7th, which would have been, I think, Tuesday, they beat Reading 1-0 and Jai scored the winner. A couple of, about a week before that, less than a week, six days before that, they played Tottenham Hotspur in the last 16 of the FA Cup. And Sheffield United <laughs> miraculously beat Tottenham Hotspur and they were excellent. And he scored the winner in a man in yep. So again, uh, and, and this kind of alludes to what I want to talk about next and the part I'm, I don't look forward to in these scout reports, but they also are really important because we don't want to also lie because it's really easy and you, we see it all the time. And I mean, I'm, I've been guilty of this in the past. When you write a scout report, you can make the player look like Messi. But it's also really important to be realistic and talk about the weaknesses they have. So I want to move on to his weaknesses now. I'm going to start by saying, and it's not really a weakness of his doing, and this also represents a lot of the views of Sheffield United fans that I've seen online and I've seen a lot of articles written about it as well. They're quite reliant on him. When he doesn't score, they tend not to win... Um, which because he he went through a bit of a goal scoring drought recently, at about January February, and their form took a real nosedive. I mean they lost to Middlesbrough, they lost to Millwall, 
They recently lost to Blackburn too, in which he didn't score. That was in the 4th of March. Uh, they drew to Rotherham a game again. He didn't score. They've won a couple of games, but considering like they play every three, four days. Again, QPR, 2nd of January, drew one all. He didn't score. Um, there, there clearly is a bit of a reliance on him to score goals and create chances as well, which is, again, not his fault, but it's not ideal for a team to be so focused around one player because I don't want to speak out of tour and I'm sure the Sheffield United fans and I'm sure there's some that are listening to this right now that will maybe disagree with me. I think he is probably Sheffield United's best player. I mean, if I call him the best player in the championship, it's only logical that I call him the best player at Sheffield United right now. Do you think that, do you think I'm being unfair? Do you think it's, or, or what were your thoughts? No, I think we obviously talk about this off air and we were talking about, um, okay, at this level of form he's having, it's really difficult to find a weakness on him. Yeah. But you can go to his, obviously, old games when he was a bit more, not that assembled to, um, I don't know, to the Sheffield since then. But it is, it's going to be a bit unfair as well because he has improved so many things. But in the thing you're saying, it's obviously a collective um, issue of Sheffield to depend on him. But it kind of, then can create a bit of an issue for him because when you are uh, being this kind of player that your teams depend on mentally, you when you are not having a good game, which is normal as a human being, that you're a player and you want to be on the best level every time, you were going to frustrate a bit and stressed really really hard like the things aren't going to be happening and all that so you have to be mentally very um ready to that kind of things to know that okay your team depends on you scoring goals but you can have a bad game but it's something like young players at times really doesn't understand and stress a bit to that kind of things you know and Obviously, I don't want to, I never want to tell this is a weakness because I am in love with players who dribble and all that. But his ball retention maybe uh, needs a bit of uh, to release the pass before. But again, at this level of form, but everything he tries goes. And actually, mm. everything he tries literally just make a big thing out of it. At this moment, you cannot tell as a coach that, like, okay, Eliman, release the ball. It's something you cannot do right now. Yeah. One thing as well I want to discuss is that I know earlier on the podcast I said he can play anywhere along the front line, and he can. He clearly has all the ability to play as a winger too if needed if he was playing and say a 3-4-3 for a game he could put him on the left and McBurney up front etc he can do that um what I wouldn't expect from him is many crosses his cross accuracy this season is seven percent which is wonderful yeah. and also when you look at his shot assist map and all the chances he created for Sheffield United this season which is just under 40 I believe one was a cross I understand that that's kind of skewed a bit because he doesn't play as a winger but he also has tried cross, as you can see in his numbers. So to have 7% accurate crosses is 
quite um, alarming. So I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't expect him to be a creative winger in that sense. If he was playing as a winger, he'd mainly be kind of an inside forward and making runs into the channels, maybe and dribbling and and things like that. Good around around the box. Yeah, when you have this kind of free player playing as a second striker, you maybe want him to go outside and then take a cross to obviously drag mark. Uh, drag opponents, sorry, and yeah. like being so dynamic to get then across, and the fullback obviously doesn't expect that. But in the end, I think and Di is a full package of a player, of an exciting player because he's dynamic on the ball, he's dynamic and energetic off the ball. He has a really high work rate for me, and. Then when you obviously have him in this kind of form, you just hype yourself watching this kind of players. Mm. On to my favorite part of the podcast. And I know it's yours too, Brian, is when we discuss potential future clubs for this player. But first, I want to ask you to put yourself in the shoes of Villaman and Joy for a second. Before we talk about clubs he can go to, I want to ask you if you were him, what would you do? Because after they beat Reading due to a a goal in the 60th minute from him, which put them seven points clear of Middlesbrough and Third, who Middlesbrough were kind of on their neck there for a bit, and Sheffield United were dropping form quite rapidly again. As I said, we, we already discussed that, that when he wasn't playing well and he wasn't scoring, they kind of they struggled. Um, what would you do for the summer? Because Sheffield United will likely go up. I mean, we're in nearly mid-March now. Oh, we are in mid-March now, I should say, by the time this podcast comes out anyway. We're in mid-March. Sheffield United will probably go up their seven points clear unless they have an absolute disaster class in the last two months. I'd expect them to go up into the Premier League next season. Do you stay with Sheffield United to see how you fare? Because he actually, unbeknownst to me until I looked at his stats, he's made one Premier League appearance. He has played in the Premier League before, but he didn't. it was just a sub- substitute appearance for Sheffield United. Do you stay with the Blades going into the Premier League next season? Or do you look for a move that kind of suits you? It's a tough decision, you know, because when you're in that kind of form, you don't want them. You don't want it to go. And one decision could maybe be the decider of that. Like, if you stay in Sheffield, but they are going to be so bad next season and they end, like, in the last position you're going to tell yourself like, okay, so that was a poor decision for me. But it's kind of tough. And right now, I I think it's the, de- the decision has to be on hand with what other teams are going to offer that him. Because if a team like, I don't know, Tottenham maybe goes there and Harry Kane left the club and everything, let's put an example like that, he could be a good option there. But if top teams like Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal they, they go after him, I, I really don't see him fitting, like having so much minutes mm-hmm. on. And the only one it's Tottenham. And maybe uh, if Harry Kane leaves the club, which I don't know because every summer is the same with him. So. Then you have the chance of being in the Premier League with the club that made you this kind of player. So 
maybe for me at this moment, maybe he can he can stay at Sheffield and play with them in the Premier League. Depends on which offer of a Premier League team he is going to have on his table, and he decides, okay, in this team I'm going to be a regular starter because of this, this, and this, and I think I can fit on the role that they are uh, offering me. Well, that's a good point because you also need to weigh up whether you're going to play or not. And you also need to weigh up the fact that if Sheffield United go up next season and have a disastrous season, like, for instance, they did yeah. in 2020, 2021 when they got relegated. Exactly. And then he's... Because his stock is so high at the minute. But if they go up, they have an awful season. He doesn't really score. He only scores one or two goals. His stock, again, is on the floor and he's yesterday's news and nobody wants him anymore. So while his stock's high, he will. I, I guarantee you he'll be thinking about stepping up but whether it's the right yeah. move or not for him is, um, it, 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 I suppose that comes down to him and his decision, really, ultimately, and, and, and how Sheffield United really strengthened in the summer, too, if they do go up to the Premier League. I think if, if Sheffield United manage to somehow not go up in this position that they're in currently, he'll leave anyway. I can't imagine him staying in the Championship for another season. I think he's too good. Um I also want to say that I know Everton, I believe, Everton put a bid in for him in January. I don't know if that was under uh, Lampard's tenure or Sean Deitch. I'm not sure how he'd sue Sean Deitch now because considering how they play, I wouldn't use Enjoy as a kind of direct option, you know, like a Calvert-Lewin or, or you know, whoever, who, I suppose whoever plays there for Everton. Um there are a couple. I mean, yeah, as you said, if Harry Kane leaves, but again, like it's it's. Got, I would imagine if Kane does leave, Spurs will replace him with a really good centre forward as well, someone who who has a proven yeah. track record in Europe or, or, or in the Champions League, etc. It, it's tough to know. There's no real club to stand out right now that he yeah. would suit perfectly. I know. Well, one club he would suit perfectly, I believe, is Brentford, but I don't yeah. think. I think it would only work if Brian Abuemo left, and I don't believe there's exactly. any. I don't believe there's a, a risk of him leaving. I'm not. I haven't seen any. I mean, I could be wrong, but I haven't seen any rumors of him leaving or not. Um, to be honest, I would like to see him stay at Sheffield United for a season just to see how he fares. Yeah. Because they could have a good season. I even, I, I even was thinking of Brighton, but right now with the appearance of Evan Ferguson, you yeah. have to obviously think about that. My compatriot Evan Ferguson, who I hope we do a. <laughs> podcast on in the future because he is an absolute gem and with the international break yeah. coming up soon Stephen Kenny the Irish manager has not released the players that have been called up yet by the time this podcast is announced he may have because it will be literally two weeks from the day um, so let's let's wait and see yeah I hope you do one on Evan Ferguson I know it has nothing to do with enjoy but I just wanted to plug Evan Ferguson right now because he is by far Ireland's most exciting young talent and it's for the country is very exciting um, Brian we'll wrap it up there I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed watching. Or I've watched a good bit of Villaman enjoy, and I really, um, I can't wait to see him for the rest of the season. I hope he smashes it. I would love to see him in the Premier League next season. I believe there's a, a very high chance we will, whether it be with a different club or with Sheffield United. So, for the listeners that are listening to this, I hope you watch enjoy before the end of the season. Soak it all in. The you know, I'm going to stick my neck out and say he's the best player in the Championship at the minute. So I'm going to. You know, recommend you go and watch him. So, Brian, thank you so much for coming on and discussing the player with us. And to all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed as well. Make sure to tune in on Friday 
for another regular episode of the TFA podcast. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends, and family, as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now.